We're talking empty drains and campaigns as Owensboro suffered its second major water break in eight months. And then a major gubernatorial candidate made his announcement in the same week. Stay with us. This is Inquire. From the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. And joining me this week are MI reporters Jacob Dick and Austin Ramsey. And with me right now is Jacob Dick. And Jacob, uh, we're doing something new this week. We have two different topics. We had two major stories uh, in the same week. And of course, the water break was a big deal because, like we said in the opening, this is the second major water break in eight months. And so people, I know water customers, and probably are starting to feel a little anxiety here, you know, with the infrastructure uh, that the city has and wondering, is this going to keep happening? That's right. And uh, me and Austin talked about that a little bit. But uh, just to preface, um, we talked on Tuesday. So at that time, there were still some major outages and so a boil water advisory, which was lifted on uh, Wednesday afternoon. But um, I think some of the things we talked about were still very relevant uh, to what people are wondering about today. So let's uh, give that a listen. For the past two days, Austin has been following the OMU water break. Could you start by explaining to us where most of the city's water comes from and what kind of water treatment plants OMU has? Owensboro and all of Davis County, the three water districts and a contractual water district known as Whitesville Water Works, are served by Owensboro Municipal Utilities, which is a city-owned municipal water system and electric system that owns and operates two water treatment facilities on the Ohio River, both east of downtown Owensboro. One Plant A was built in 1903, so about 115 years ago now, and uh, a lot of the sitting infrastructure or underground infrastructure that Plant A relies on is original to this day. So there are cast iron mains and pipes that service portions of the distribution network in Owensboro and Davis County that are more than 100 years old, quite a few in fact. Plant A is uh, scheduled to be decommissioned once the second water treatment facility in Owensboro, known as the William Cavan Water Treatment Plant, further east on US-144, is expanded. It currently has a smaller daily water capacity than that of Plant A, although treatment operations have been increased there steadily over the last few years. This is a much newer plant uh, relying on um, iron piping that is a little bit more flexible and quite a bit less old, quite a bit uh, younger than plant A infrastructure. And uh, once an expansion that's planned for that plant is complete in about two years, should cost taxpayers about $50 million. Once that expansion takes place, Plant A, like I said, will be decommissioned and the cabin plant will be able to treat and send out 30 million gallons of water in a day. That should more than meet the demand uh, for Davis County in, in, any given, uh, in any given day. So, so yeah, we have those two 
treatment plants. Um, one is very old and one is a little bit newer, built in 1994. And hopefully, officials are hoping to have just one plant here in a few years that is relying on newer infrastructure, uh, a newer form of water treatment operations, a, a three-tiered form of treatment operations that uh, should be free of the kind of water main breaks that we've been seeing lately. And so the water main break that, that you've been reporting on was near Plant A. Could you tell me what was happening under the ground near Plant A and why it resulted in two days without water? So, yeah, there were, there were two water main breaks that occurred a little bit before 4.30 a.m. Monday. And several feet, a few dozen feet, really, under the ground, six to, six to ten feet underneath the ground, just next to 4th Street and just outside the Plant A grounds. A 115-year-old 20-inch water service distribution main, which is a pressurized cast iron pipe that sends water directly from the water treatment operations at Plant A and hooks into the distribution network throughout Owensboro and all of the surrounding Davis County water districts, suddenly uh, and quite unexpectedly burst. What likely was happening over uh, several months, if not years, was minuscule uh, stress fractures were forming on the cast iron. See, cast iron is, uh, it, it tends to be very brittle, and it does not like shifting earth. As, as, as the earth around it moves, it doesn't give. It has no give to it. So it will start to develop these tiny little stress fractures. And as that pressurized water continues to just pound against it and push against it, um, eventually, especially somewhat almost likely after 115 years, it's going to give a little bit. And when that gives, uh, it, it gives way to what's called a catastrophic failure. And that's when uh, the water shoots quite literally up out of, the, out of the cast iron pipe into the dirt around it and sometimes even shoots up out of the ground, which is... Uh, which, which is what has happened in other, in other instances when we've had uh, failures like this. And uh, as the water that shot out of the, that cast iron plant saturated the soil around it, it quickly uh, deteriorated the, the casing and, and the, the um, structure around another much newer water main that connects plant A to the cabin water treatment plant. Uh, this is a 24-inch main uh, created out of a durable type of iron. And although it was newer, the earth around it was saturated and washing away, and so it eventually gave way as well. So within, within a period of just a few minutes, we had two relatively major breaks where pressurized water was escaping a 20- and a 24-inch main, uh, and... Uh, and we were in trouble. And so what OMU immediately did is they valved off. They shut off water on the output, on the output side closest to the, the plant and on the output side past the break so that there was no access of backfill water or inflow water. And so they were able to kind of drain that area. And, and then they had, to, they had to dig down into it. But, of course, you have very saturated, wet soil. And so you have to get through that. You have to continue to drain as you do it. And once they got down there, then they, they had to begin the repair process. 
And so in November of this past year, there was a main break near Plant A and um, some of the photos from that time, um, if you ran them up against what we've been seeing over the past two days, they look very similar. But um, are those two breaks similar in any way? They're very similar, actually. Um, what happened uh, in 2017 and what happened in 2018 are essentially the same thing. Uh, water distribution mains or the, the pressurized cast iron pipes that are very, very old and connect the, the, the older uh, plant A water treatment facility to the, the distribution network failed due to long-term stress and, sh and shot water out. Luckily, the, the cast iron main, main that we're, we're talking about uh, in, in, I think it was November 30th of 2017, what happened there was it, it happened to break in an area within the plant grounds and it was a little bit deeper in the ground, but it was, um, but it was separate uh, from any other pressurized mains. So it, uh, it had kind of less of, a, of an effect on the surrounding infrastructure, and plus it was a little bit newer. But actually in 2013, OMU and the City Utility Commission valved off much of the, the force mains around Plant A in order to limit backflow and inflow access to areas that may come under stress and break. That essentially means that when something like this happens, they're able to cut it away from the rest of the network and get to it quicker. In 1994, we had a much worse water main break. And when I say it's much worse, what, what specifically happened to the water main deep under the ground was almost the same as happened in 2017 and has, and has happened as recently as Monday. But they had no way to shut the water off. And so they just had thousands and thousands of, of gallons of treated water just pouring, I'm not even pouring, shooting out of a broken pipe and they couldn't make it stop. Not only did the water depressurize throughout the uh, entire distribution network, but uh, it, w it remained depressurized for a number of days. And so from 1994 to 2017, that's quite a gap. But from 2017 to not even six or seven months later, that makes it seem like these might be becoming more frequent. But does OMU think that these will be more frequent problems, or are they working to make sure it doesn't happen again? So... As a result of the break that happened Monday, they are bypassing a portion of that 20-inch main that was kind of the source of the problems that, were fa that we faced most recently. While it's bypassed, they are going to uh, install some more valves and replace any of the cast iron main that seems to have been under any stress or has shown signs of leaking. So that should fix the problem there, but of course there's a lot of force main in the ground underneath plant A and and you know they're they're just really able right now to, to, to fix what they've already dug up because they had to fix a a break. But um I think what they're focusing on right now or they're really bargaining on right now is getting the water treatment expansion at Cavin finished as soon as possible and shutting down plant A because it's very, very old. Like I said, it was built in 1903, and a lot of the infrastructure it relies on is that old. 
And unless you dug up just acres and acres and acres of dirt and replaced millions and millions of dollars worth of infrastructure, which probably wouldn't be worth it economically, there's always the risk. I sat down with interim OMU general manager Kevin Frizzell earlier today uh, at the site of the of the, the most recent break, and he told me uh, in no uncertain terms the risk of this happening uh, remains very real, and it will remain very real as long as we are relying on such old infrastructure. But it's a problem that any city, Owensboro's age, with infrastructure as old as Owensboro's, has to face. Evansville, Bowling Green, Hopkinsville, Paducah, cities this size with 100-plus-year-old cast-iron uh, force mains, they could always experience something like this. It's just it seems to be unfortunate that it's, it's happening to Owensboro a lot. Right. Well, thank you, Austin. I appreciate it. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. Now we're going to transition over into uh, the major campaign announcement that came through Owensboro. Andy Bashir, Jacob, you covered that event, and you know, of course, he made the decision or made the announcement that he's going to be running for governor uh, next year. And 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 so I was wondering. I had a couple questions on my mind. You know, one is as you as you were there, um, did he talk about like the difference between, you know, him and his dad, because obviously his dad, Steve Bashir, was a two-term governor here. Right, and I uh, I had asked him that question because um, actually the day before when he made his, his first announcement in, in Louisville, um, you know, Governor Matt Bevin uh, did not ignore it, and he uh, tweeted something to the effect that uh, if, if people liked eight years of, of corruption under Steve Bashir, then that's exactly what they'll get under Andy. But, you know, that's not the first time a comparison has been made or, or you know, someone's mentioned um, Steve Bashir when they've been talking about Andy Bashir. Um, so I, I asked him, uh, you know, on the occasions he has been asked about what he's learned from his dad or if he's like his dad, he said he, he's his own man. So I asked him to describe, you know, exactly um, what he meant by that, why they're different. And he went on to say, uh, you know, in, in my time as attorney general, I've uh, I've stepped up and, and stood up whenever I felt like the law was broken, and I would do the same thing uh, under my uh, if if my dad was still governor. Um, but I, I think that is still a sore spot because it's like if someone asked you, um, how do you feel about your dad and some of the things he's been accused of? Are you going to say, well, well, I I disavow him and and uh, everything he stands for, but uh, it, it's it's interesting. So maybe we should uh, give that a listen. One of the reasons we're running is to restore decency to the governor's office, uh, to provide a, a governor that brings people together and doesn't uh, tear them apart, that is above name-calling, bullying, and my way or the highway uh, politics. I think what we've seen uh, out of the governor in response to this announcement shows how badly uh, that's needed. Uh, Mr. Bashir, uh, 
during your time as Attorney General, many times comparisons have, have came up to your father, and I believe that you've responded at the time that you're your own man. Sure. So I was wondering if you could describe in some ways, are there ways that um, your philosophies or policies differ from your dad? Well, I love my father, and I'm proud of the job that he's done, and he was an amazing father, and he's a really great uh, grandfather. Uh, but we are different people. Uh, we come at, at life uh, differently. Our experiences uh, have been different. You know, I've stood up at different times when I believe government is not following the law, and people have said, well, your dad did it. And I've responded every single time that the law is the law. It doesn't matter who you are. And if my dad was governor at the time, we still would have challenged it. Now, I think he probably would have listened, and at least we could have had a civil conversation about how uh, to better follow, uh, to how to, how to change uh, and, and develop a policy that more closely aligns uh, to the law. Uh, but I think what you see uh, out of us, uh, out of Jacqueline and I, is what our vision for Kentucky is. It's a Kentucky that provides a world-class education through its public school system for every child that is laser-focused on the drug epidemic. And so, uh, and so Andy Bashir, he's the Democratic candidate, and it w I wouldn't be surprised if other candidates also uh, filed. And so, you, and so you have uh, Governor Matt Bevin, who's a Republican right now. And before I kind of get into that part of it, did uh, Bashir... Uh, get into and did Andy Bashir kind of get into a, a any kind of platform? Um, yeah, so I think it's important uh, to also note at this time, this is on a Friday afternoon. Um, Governor Matt Bevan has not officially announced that he will run. There's been a few times that he said it's it's likely, but there's been a lot of speculation of the fact that he hasn't started raising money yet, and uh, he'll be the. This is the longest that a modern-day Kentucky governor has waited to announce his run. So that ha has a lot of people scratching their heads. But it, it seems like Andy Bashir's platform is really tapping into some of, the, some of the grief that happened in the General Assembly in the spring. He's, he's talking about civility in government is what he probably talked most about. And then his uh, running mate, Jacqueline Coleman, um, she's being billed as a, a public educator and someone that represents uh, people on, on public pension. She is a uh, assistant principal and, uh, and girls basketball coach. Um, so those are the two things that I expect we'll hear a lot of. So, uh, so assuming that Governor Bevan does refile, do you expect this to be a major battle uh, between Bevan and and Bashir as this, uh, because obviously Conway and Bevan, that whole thing, you know, it, it got it got it got pretty crazy there. So do you expect the, the same sort of battle, assuming that Bevan does file for re-election? I think we'll see some sort of battle. I'm just wondering what form that will take, because you have a candidate who is trying to make one of his platforms civility, and yet you have. Uh, a, a sitting governor that's called teachers disgusting and he's really taken a, a page out of uh, Trump's book some some people have said that he's uh, he uses Trumpism better than President Donald Trump does um, so I think that will play out in a weird way but there's a lot of ground for that to build because they've been sniping at each other since Bevan took office and in, in 2016 um, Andy Bashir. uh filed a lawsuit 
saying that his immediate cuts to higher education was unconstitutional and that was ruled in Bashir's favor. So there's there's many things that that uh, they have to build on for this race. that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Mystery Inquirer reporters Jacob Dick and Austin Ramsey for being on the show. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscasts at messenger-inquirer.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquirer's website, its mobile app, and iTunes where you can subscribe to Inquirer. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquirer.